Good morning, good morning. It is Sunday morning on Triple H 100.1 FM and you are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. If you haven't joined us before, then welcome. You have joined a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their decision-making and consequences. And regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can then choose to apply the relevant aspect in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found more sustainable, loving and heartfelt ways to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and mental health. Now, today's show is um, about fear and how it permeates so much of our lives. Now, when I say that, you may think, oh, you know, the horror movie... Uh, you may think about fear in, in dangerous situations. So there's a definite physical fear, but there's also an emotional fear. And since considering this show, I have become so much more aware of how it affects every single relationship we have with people, with things, with situations and with ourselves. Today, we're going to look at how we live in fear and with fear and why we fear it. We'll also look at how we can cut off that supply that feeds that fear so there's a freedom to rediscover what is true and what is not and perhaps live a life, well, more free of the straitjacket suffocation that I have discovered comes from fear. My guests in the studio today are old hands at this now. I have Gabrielle Kaplis and Annette Baker. Welcome, both of you. Morning, Lucy. Morning, Lucy. Uh, both of them are regulars on this show. They work as relationship counsellors in the eastern suburbs. Um, and whenever we have them on the show, we go a smidgen deeper. We unpeel a layer or two of skin, well, one layer of skin and a few maybe sub-layers, sub um, so we can see what's impulsing our movements, our choices, our behaviours, and today's show is no different. We're going to have some interesting fun with that, hey? Mm -hmm. Thanks. Now, fear is our topic for discussion. Uh, the moment we agreed to do it, um, I felt as if a layer had been taken off my eyes and I started... Um, seeing it in things that I was watching on television, in my news feed. I mean, an example is today, the headline in one of the um, newspapers that I subscribe to is, you know, um, housing market about to crash, mm -hmm. um, financial security um, at risk. I mean, the, the media is designed to get our attention and fear is one of the best ways it does it. Um, but there are so many other areas. It's insidious in the fabric of our society, as I've discovered. It just controls everything. And when you look back through history, you can clearly see that control was used in the church, in politics, in our families, uh, in our schools. We, you know, and some people paid the ultimate price when they didn't obey with their life or you stay within whatever confines and the whatever confines the manipulator is calling for, um, and you find yourself at the exclusion of the pack mentality of the community, ostracized, which emotionally feels like a life-threatening situation as much as the physical mm. fear of, of danger is. And bearing in mind as you two have shared with us so often, we're programmed to be in relationship with each other. We have to understand that emotionally, fear is governing a lot of our decisions as much as the physical fear of, of danger is. I mean, I could have covered, you know, the insurance company. I mean, that's everything's based on fear there. The banks, the, the um, sport, you know, don't lose... Mm -hmm. Uh, mm. in, in, in court you're desperate to be tr believed mm. and you've got to prove that you're telling the truth mm. it's not based on truth in sense it's uh, based on who can manipulate the truth so that or create enough fear I, I, it befuddles me it really does schools and exams are the same 
you're afraid that if you don't have the education, you're not going to be worth anything in life. Mm. But standing up and speaking out when you see something's not right, quite right is also not very easy. So we don't tend to do it and the school bully tends to, you know, um, go on to be a work bully or a, an industry bully. And again, the fear of um, disobeying someone gets in there. So have you, either of you noticed it in the work that you do or the world around you. I mean, that's my that's my offering. I feel like I've, you know, unloaded so mm-hmm. many areas. I've just gone, holy moly. Where do we begin? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, Lucy. One of the, the key things that we see in relationship counselling that's based on fear is fear of not belonging. Wow. And fear of being abandoned and... You could say that comes up all the time in, like we see the evidence of the out, the physical outplay of the catastrophic situations from family where people don't feel that they belong to their family of origin or they have, um, you know, separated from a group of people or they didn't feel connected to at school and they didn't build a bond in you know forming deep relationships with people and then the outplay of that as an adult or the inability to to actually connect with people and go deeper and have intimate relationships with them so wow that's huge those those two areas are absolutely massive and then with that also coming towards like, you know, um, people in their 40s and 50s, if they haven't bonded well in relationships, then there's sort of fear of being alone later yes. in life yeah, or fear of uh, like who's going to take care of them when they get sick later in life or if they deteriorate. Um, so then you've got the fear in relationships that stems from like for for women that men may not commit to them in relationships Mm -hmm. and then you've got fear from men about being rejected in relationships so Mm -hmm. on a daily basis in some way or another we are talking about bottom line fear Mm. of um like a disconnection in relationships that's what people suffer from Mm. you know and then the out the consequences of that yeah, I would I would just add to that the which you said, but just to highlight the point of the fear of being alone. Yes. That comes up a lot. So and that doesn't just necessarily occur or 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 be expressed from people who are not in a relationship with a partner. Yes. Very often, even more often possibly, we hear that from people who are in a relationship with a partner right. and they're feeling alone. Yes. Because of that lack of connection or lack of commitment that's not there on a deeper level. So people are having relationships, whether it's partner or friends or family or whatever, they're in, we're all in relationship all the time. But a lot of times people are feeling very alone, even amidst all of that, because there's just not that deeper connection. But then we've got to ask, well, why does that happen? How come people are going through life not, not, bringing themselves to a deeper relationship with life. Do you know, it's very interesting you bring that up, Annette, because there was a report out in the last couple of days about the um, about loneliness being one of the greatest scourges of our, mm. our time. And England have appointed a, appointed a minister for loneliness. Wow. wow. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. That, but that, what a brilliant um, suggestion. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously it's imperative because of the statistics. Yeah. But it, which, which makes me um, sort of bring up another point, Lucy, and that is that, okay, you, you in your social work, Annette and I in our counselling, we would hear people speak like this about their fears. Yeah. Yeah, we're accustomed to that. Yeah. 
but it's not something you ten- tell your friends about. No. Mm. And it's often not something that you tell your partner about. Mm. It's something that you get tortured by in the privacy of your own thoughts. Absolutely. And a lot of people are suffering from this, you know, self-torture because yeah. they're getting fed thoughts about fears. Yeah. That they would ne- they they're not about like imagine a guy going to a coffee with another man and saying I'm frightened. Yeah. Of stuff that's going on in my marriage. Yeah. I'm fr- I'm frightened that my my wife would reject me. Yeah. You know, or my wife is rejecting me regularly for physical intimacy, and I'm scared about where I'm headed with that. Yeah. And you and know, yet it's and not it's not something we divulge no. our fears. No, and that's and There's a great and, amount of shame with it. Sorry. Yeah, and to portray you know, a situation like that with men, that's, that's commonly accepted that men don't do that. And yet in our work, when men sit before us and they open up, they're saying all of that. Yeah. There's no holding back what they will share and the level of um, sensitivity they have around all those things. But it's not happening for them out, out in, in their the friend world. circles and out okay. in the world. But so it's people, right there for them to, to communicate when they're given, you know, to c- cliche, a safe space to do so. Yeah, and permission. And permission they, they to do so. They give themselves permission to go to, to you or to someone like you to be able to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's quite an interesting phenomenon that, that it's still, you know, in we can say in 2018 it's still not, widely accepted that men can have those types of conversations. And there is, um, you know, society can feed the, uh, the, some addictions and Mm. some behaviours which can stop you having to do that. So, you know, you can, you can turn on the television whenever you're at home and then you're never alone because you've always got company. You can do sport. You know, if you can talk about sport and you're interested in sport, you're never alone because there's always someone you can talk to about that. Social media, you can be on it so you never have to physically be alone because you've always got something to occupy yourself. If you smoke, you've got always got company, <laughs> mm. you know, that will communicate with you through a puff of whatever or mm. a great feeling. Um, there are just so many ways. And, and I think that's it. You can pretend and you can look to the world that you're not lonely and have all of these friends on Facebook, like thousands and thousands of friends, and yet not be able to have the intimate conversation, the the sensitive conversation that you just spoke about, mm. which is, you know, I'm I don't seem to be connecting with my wife on the same level, and I'm really about worried about where it would go. If we could have that conversation, we might have less affairs. Mm. We might have less people going for relief, mm. as opposed to connection. That's correct, but I think how it's one of the one of the reasons that that's emerged that we have situations like that is that people have just constantly lowered the bar to what they will accept in a relationship as being a relationship of depth or of quality. It's it's sad to say, but it's very very low because they're afraid of being alone, so yes. they'll put up with more. Yeah. And stay. And have a very functional, very sometimes very mundane relationship. But say but this but we're great mates, we're compatible, we It's better than <laughs> what it could be. I'm not yeah. being physically abused, so you know, I've got a roof over my head. Yeah. Okay. We often get around to talking about this in, in our radio programs, don't we? I just wanted to bring it back to the fact that often we don't feel safe to voice our fears Mm -hmm. but here's the thing if you can voice your fear and support yourself whilst you're voicing it in other words not to make yourself dumb or an idiot that you have a fear you cut the fear in half Mm. even just in voicing or expressing the fact that you have a fear it's like to be able to share that with somebody who can hold you in a space and understand you and go, it's okay, it's not that bad or you'll be all right or you're going to get through this or whatever is disturbing you, let's, let's sit down and work it out. It could be quite simple to work through. But 
The fact is, is that there's such a shame associated with fears, like we feel so stupid that we actually lock ourselves away in the fear and we don't voice it. And meanwhile, it's debilitating you bit by bit and bringing you down or contracting you or just cutting you in half in your expression. And you dare not say it. Mm. Like I remember at school feeling like that, you know, I was like scared that I would get it wrong when, you know, and I used to, I mean, I've told Nett, you know, I used to copy the person's (laughs) paper next to me in school all the time because even though I'd see the answer and I'd go, I know, I know that, I was so scared that I wasn't smart enough to actually get the answer correct that I had to have the safety of cheating Absolutely. And I'm talking about, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. You know, already freaked out and nervous. Yeah. And I never said it. I mean, I can laugh about it now because I'm a student now at 55. But to remember how terrifying it Mm -hmm. was and Mm -hmm. how petrified I was in the exam situation in high school, Mm -hmm. um, all of those things. And I dared not say anything. Yeah. And it was just a private hell. Yeah. And I hate that, that fear torments us in such a way as to paralyze us and secretly it works on diminishing us and demeaning us. And yet if we were able to voice it, you're already starting a process of healing on yourself because you, you cut the fear in half by doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to go. I was going to play a different song now. I have changed the song order because this one is most appropriate. It's from a children's album and it's called Whoops. You might hear that Whoops might be your favourite word by the end of this song. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. I've been talking to Gabrielle Caplice and Annette Baker, two women who work as relationship counsellors in the eastern suburbs who help me peel layers off topics <laughs> that could be classed as rather painful and we make it painless. You help rip the band-aid off. That's right. <laughs> like that introduction, I think I kind of really, you know. But when we are going to go there, so, you know, just make sure you feel safe and warm. You've got a nice cup of herbal tea because we don't want the adrenaline pumping around your body. We want you nice and settled to be able to listen to this because we're talking about fear and how it permeates our lives and is so familiar in society that we might not actually know it in every single one of our relationships. Gabrielle pointed out just just before we went to the break how we can be so afraid of doing something wrong that it can stop us actually um, giving things a go, expressing things. And, you know, the song by Chris James and Jenny James that we just had called Whoops, I know it's a children's song, but how well does it apply to what we're talking about here? It's about be okay to be yourself. Be okay to make a mistake. That's how we learn. Mm. Can I just add, Lucy, you just can, to the Annette. just to the fear of expressing, and and I mean in any area, but we touched on it earlier, just in terms of relationships. Let's say in a in well partners or friends. Yeah. The fear of actually telling someone how much you love them mm. in whatever way you would express mm. that. It mm. is unbelievable how much human beings hold that back. Yes. And that's a great source of, of sadness. But it comes from, as we mentioned earlier, the fear of being rejected or not being met back equally with the same love. But So, so to avoid yeah. those consequences, people hold back actually sharing how much they love one another. Yeah. Even in childhood and I think the seeds are planted in childhood and as you say you see it all in adult life I see it so much already in teenage years that fear of rejection and that fear and not being able to say how much you love someone without them suddenly thinking you want to date them yes. even you know that, that this word love has suddenly become about intimate relationships even I, I can't even use intimate relationships because we should be able to have an intimate relationship with someone purely from a, a communication point of view, not necessarily making it physically relationship. But 
physically intimate, but being able to express that you deeply love someone. Because I deeply love both of you. Mm. You know, we we have a connection. That's mm. love. I would never hold back from saying no. I love you to either of you. And we don't. No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> and I'm sure that that can be felt through the airwaves. Mm. I'm sure that people can feel that level of connection. Mm. It's... It, I don't feel like I would be rejected by either of you. Would I be the same? I'm trying. I'm working on it. But it's interesting. Would I be the same if I had someone who I knew actually spoke very badly of me in front of me? Would I, you know, if I had a girlfriend from school who had bullied me at school or I had bullied, would I be able to hold them in love in the same way when there's so much between us that is messy and that could be transferred to a relationship as well. What do you feel, Gabe? I I feel that's always the challenge for all of us as human beings because we tend to be exclusive in the sense of like there are some people we will open up to and let let in and let love us. There is an issue though that when we let people in or we do actually feel somebody truly loving us, that there is this fear of of whether I'm worthy enough to accept that, you know, whether I'm worthy enough to have that level of love, you know. So, so a, a man coming into your life and just adoring you, you might go, well, I'm... People don't just love me that way. They're Women normally, flip out mm, at that yeah. when they when they are actually shown the nurturing or the caring or the attention from men, and it does feel like a true, true possibility. There, it's like they're so used to being treated not well or not loved or not met that when they do actually find it, then it's somebody who's prepared to express that then they're cautious, then they're, you know, whether I I feel worthy of that. They go through that self-worth issue with with that kind of demonstration of love. So, I mean, it brings up a lot for people. I was speaking to a woman in her 60s recently and she's what I would call a lover mm-hmm. in terms of like she's never been out without a partner and that. Yeah. And she's in a new relationship and I said to her, um, have, you, have you told each other that you love each other? She goes, oh, hell no, I haven't used the L word. And, um, and he's about the same age as her. And I was just, you know, I could just feel all the front there that we do as human beings to actually not let somebody that we're clearly invested in or wanting to to ex, you know express all our feelings with so we've got it all on a functional level but we're not actually saying i love you mm. and i could feel the fear there of like if i do actually say that it's almost like i'm less or that person has an advantage over me because you've exposed could. your vulnerability through loving. Exactly. Wow. I, and I, what if that person then loses interest? <laughs> yeah. If you, you know, maybe it's more interesting. Well, I'm not saying this about that particular case, but this is what we see. Yeah. Maybe it's the, the so-called allure or the interest the is, is more peaked mm. before that point of expression. So we string people along without saying that we love them because, you know, if we were to say it, it's like then you've shown exactly how you feel and then you have to make that commitment to love, basically. But this is not just happening with... This is happening to people at all ages. This happens yes. to young people oh, too. Oh, absolutely. I see They're teenagers. They're so scared of, of yeah. saying. And teenagers who haven't had that experience of love in their homes. So when someone, they they've, they might have been brought up in a, quite a functional home where their parents have been quite functional together and their relationship with their, t- with their young person has been functional in that, you know, every, every, all the needs have been met. 
but there hasn't been that I love you or the deeper conversations or um, the question about how did today go and actually waiting for a longer answer and talking about <laughs> relationships in that way. You know, it was very functional. So when a guy comes along and offers you more than that, you're going to think that that is true love. Um, but if someone offers you, an, a, you know, uh, that level of more love, it is also more challenging because, well, that's that I, I'm loving, you're loving me more than my family love me. That's quite huge. Mm. So yeah, again, self-worth also. just all over the place. Yeah, I've been talking to Gabrielle Caplice and Annette Baker, two women who work as relationship counsellors in the eastern suburbs. And we're talking about fear and how it permeates our lives and is so familiar in society. But as we know, if you have listened to this show before, you'd know that it's a, a common theme if we leave ourselves at the mercy of the outside world dictating to us who we should be we we feel like we're a boat in a storm with no rudder or sails so the relationship has to start first and foremost with ourselves otherwise the world and our loved ones will get confused as to who it is they're in a relationship with Gabrielle and I were just mentioning before we came on air how important it is to embrace being imperfect. Perfectly imperfect is a, an expression that I use in my life an awful lot. <laughs> I, mean, I really am very happy not to be that because I learn so much from the mistakes I make. But how do we allow ourselves to be that when, you know, Annette and I were saying it's a very physical, physiological terror in the body sometimes, very debilitating to take that step um, into the freedom of being okay with getting it wrong. That's a beautiful question, Lucy. And if I could use an analogy of um, Annette and I in relationship, we've gone through some pretty messy times in the beginning when we were first together. We've been together 17 years now. So along the way, we came across junctures where we were about to step into an area that we've never done before, the, the, the unknown, and obviously the fear of the unknown because... We hadn't ever experienced anything like that before in a relationship. It could be as simple as like, what's it like to travel together? Or what's it like to be students um, studying together? Or what's it like to, I don't know, get to a new level of intimacy in the relationship? What is beyond that? Um, So we'd come up across these junctures and what we had to learn, because we'd have fears we'd be scared. Um, What we had to learn was that we didn't have to be perfect in the way that we went through the process. We had to build a relationship with being a student and getting things wrong, as in a student of life or a student of our own relationship with ourselves, like, or a student with each other, because we were bound to make mistakes in a relationship. We were bound to be messy we were bound to be imperfect because we're human. So the most important thing was to not punish and go into a full-on judgment and criticism of the thing that we had done wrong. That didn't mean not take responsibility for the consequences of what was the outplay of the thing that was not correct. Um, but we looked at it as if like, okay, you're learning. This is a building of an awareness. What you made a mistake with was something that your awareness was only at that particular level at that particular time, or it was a choosing to be in denial or a choosing to be ignorant. So, When you're ready to take the steps beyond that awareness, you've got to support yourself. There can't be any judgment. There can't be a punishing of each other to say, it's your mistake, you were wrong, you were bad, you didn't do the right thing. It can't be like that. You've got to build a relationship with learning as you go through the process and recognizing it's developmental. 
you are part of an unfolding developmental process. Mm. And when you see it like that, then you go, okay, well, actually, if I see it like that, the next opportunity to, that comes around where it's the similar kind of circumstance, I'm going to see if I can do it in a different way or if I can learn from the mistake or the incorrect behavior or the habit that I've been familiar with that I want to change. I want to do it differently. And if I do it differently and see it as a, I don't know, like an educational way of being, like a self-development way of being, then you can appreciate your growth Mm. and your development. And you can look back in hindsight and go, well, I really stuffed up when I did it like that. But I've been practicing, and this is something that Annette and I speak a lot about in relationship counselling. We offer to couples the fact that they can practice to get to that place. That is how what they would like to call a little bit more perfect or... But there's no such thing as perfect. But you, you, you understand what I'm saying. I do. And I can see it as the, the similarity of when a baby learns to walk. You know, they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. And when we actually hold the space for them to learn and we encourage them and we, we just don't expect them to get it in the same way. But when we speak and we learn to express our feelings and... and um, express ourselves we have far more judgment and far more we have a higher standard and think that Mm. we don't have that capacity to learn we just have to know how to do it and if the person who we're with is we part of the conversation between two people is to ask the other person to hold the space to let's learn together and i may be i may not get it right but if we can discuss it with love for each other and with a commitment to wanting to understand to take this relationship to a deeper sense of love, then we might be able to hold it for each other rather than only one person wanting to go there and the other person being so paralyzed by fear or conditioning that they can't. Mm. Or getting it wrong. Mm. Or getting it <coughs> Paralyzed by getting it wrong. Yeah. Because if you... So I know, I know you've got something to say, my darling, but if... If the relationship stays with the imperfect way of being, yeah. like or trying to be perfect, mm. and they get stuck on the good and the uh, you know good or being good or bad or right or wrong, mm. then the relationship just came, seems to cycle around again and again, and you bash your head against the wall trying to get it right. But if you create a space where there is a process of self-development and it's not punishing but it is being responsible yeah then you can actually grow and develop and you will change the habits you will you will grow yeah you will deepen in your awareness yeah similarly i was just going to add that i think it, whether it's in relationship with someone else or in re, in relationship with yourself that process of growing and learning and educating yourself and evolving is very much a step-by-step process because too often what happens... Because we can be... We are like so amazing, all of us, at being super critical of ourselves yeah. and super judgmental. Too it's, many it's PhDs terrible. on that out there. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Um, and because of that, we strive then for this perfection, which as we're, as yeah. we're saying is, is not even real. Mm-hmm. And so too often, you know, we will see and hear people who that they've, they've realised they've got the awareness of something they want to change or let go of in their life, a behaviour or a way of being. Or, but they want to jump straight to the outcome. But if you do that, it's more often than not, you can jump to that, but you'll fall right back to where you started. It really does need to be a step-by-step process that way, and I firmly believe in this, it is, it is yours because you digest it along the way. It's not some picture of how you want to be that you've set up for yourself or society set up for you and you've taken that on and you say, okay, I'm not going to be like this anymore. I'm going to do it this way. It's, 
it's it's not in your body. You haven't lived it. You have to live through the stages of that change. And yeah, that's what I was really picking up as well. What if where we've gone to in our relationships is is great? It's our foundation. It's you know it might be functional or dysfunctional, but that there is another level to go to. And you might not have been there before. So to go back to the old ways that you know work in relationship might actually be the things that are holding you back. Mm. Whereas if you can say, okay, I've, I've never been to this depth of a relationship with someone before. I can't use my old tools. There's that picture that um, someone shared with me a while back about, you know, the, the patterns of behavior you do when you, you know, you go into a room um, you're unfamiliar, so you just turn the light on, or you go into a room and you're searching around, and you can't even find the light. Mm. You know, you just you just stand there and go wait for someone else to turn the light on for you. In this situation, turning the light on because it's what you normally do and that's how you see is not is not actually going to help you if part of the way to go forward is to be in the dark and just trust that you're going to be okay in the dark for a little bit. Mm. And that, as we all know, when we wake up in the night, your eyes get accustomed. Mm. You start feeling things more. You, the fear actually of being in the dark goes because you, your other senses kick in. Mm. You may not be able to see that clearly, but you can see with all of your other senses perfectly well. I love what you're saying, Lucy, and I love what Annette brought up because we need to actually learn to confirm and support ourselves through the growth that happens with those setbacks because there's a lot of growth that happens often with mistakes yeah you you can you can learn so much about yourself and other people and often it's an amazing humbling that allows you a a deeper awareness of what's going on around you that you would never have read or understood if you were just confidently powering ahead, sometimes ignorant of what's really happening. Mm. So all of those learning curves, particularly that happen in relationships, um, where we like to be squeaky clean about things or just looking like we're getting it right or... It's, it's the kind of education consciousness of like best student ever or best, you know, being brought up to be good and right. And, and that's not necessarily true mm. because in relationships, we so often make mistakes because we're so often disconnected. That we do. Now, I haven't got another whoops. <laughs> but I have got one that calls us to be responsible for our part in it. And I feel that's where we're going to go, how we can work on ourselves, knowing that we can be the change we want to see. It's by a gentleman called Martin Gladman. Mm. It is a fabulous song, and we're going to be able to all groove to it and, uh, and embrace our potential responsibility with this. Guardians of Love by Martin Gladman. Beautiful. And I've been talking to Gabrielle Caplice and Annette Baker this morning. We've been talking about fear, about how it permeates our lives and our society. And both of you have brought an incredible depth to the consideration of how it plays out in our relationships, how it can start very young and how it can really manifest all the way through our lives and in all aspects of our relationship. It's become so familiar that it, that it, um, it can dominate us without necessarily knowing and we can end up in relationships that we actually kind of sit there and go, how on earth did I end up here? And I would say that there are, you know, that goes from the less extreme to the extreme of the domestic violence, that which is just so prolific now, it's just bananas. Mm. We have to question how we got there. So I feel it comes back to the minute details of actually how we feel in our bodies so we can even recognize that fear might be a thing and that goes hand in hand with anxiety so maybe we go back and say okay what what might it feel like in our bodies to be able to recognize when we're going into a situation where fear might be at play Gabrielle um 
loose in in just being around people in session who are anxious I think it starts like in questioning them and going back to their childhood it starts with an unsettlement um, obviously of being connected to mm. or a feeling that their mother or father the person that the parents that they most need to bond with are unstable or insecure in some way mm. and are disconnected themselves, which sets off an instability in the child because the child is wanting to connect and, and be deeply connected to and then feels unsettled. This creates an anxiousness in the body. And the anxiousness in the body escalates over a period of time because they know they're not being met. Um, they lack confidence and presence because if, if your nervous system is escalated, you're not going to feel strong and stable in your body. You're not going to feel present in your body. And without presence, you can't feel confident to, to do what is natural to do in your life, whatever simple task. And they you, doubt themselves too, don't they? Because if if their par- if they're feeling something and their parents don't have the skills to be able to confirm what they're feeling, they then doubt what they're feeling, which creates a fear because they can't trust their own radar. That's exactly right. So you've got the inconsistent behavior around you, which unsettles you. So you might not be feeling that you're loved, mm. but you also might be feeling that even if you're loved, that there's a lot of unsettlement or disturbance that you live with, so there's no consistency to trust Mm. in the behavior. So it creates um, quite a hectic kind of inner disturbance. Charge. Yeah, Yeah, charge. That's interesting, yeah. One of the things that struck me when you were just introducing it just now, Lucy, was um, one of the physical symptoms is because... A lot of, with fear, often comes um, a sense of not feeling able to speak up mm. or express what what might be sort of you know um, rising in your body, and and it just came flooding back to me all the times in my life when I didn't feel like I was so great at communicating, and yet there was a lot that I was feeling and a lot I had to say, but I didn't really know how to say it or I feared saying it because of what reaction it might be met with and this restriction in the throat was like Mm. just so it was debilitating so you've already got the sort of the the sense of feeling debilitated by your own fear Mm. but then it's added to by this tightening in the throat and like that literally that lump in your throat where you feel like I don't even know if I can get what I want to say out past this lump. Yeah, and it's already <laughs> so that's gone a past real physical symptom. The lump in your stomach. Yeah. to get to the lump in your throat. But to get it out past there, yeah, can't that do means it. if yeah, you either can't do it or the fear of if I do, yeah, what what then? What, what next? What's going to come out? Because I'll tell you, if it's it's Mount Vesuvius <laughs> by the time it does come out, if it's gone past the mountain in your stomach, and, and it was many times for me. <laughs> yeah. So then you get labelled as being aggressive yeah, and yeah. and loud and un you know a, a unpleasant, hot head, hot head, yeah, a bit crazy. And yeah. the yeah. other thing, I was one of those yeah. too. <laughs> the other thing with um, people who get anxious, then they're more likely, as a human being, when you get anxious, you're more likely to want to next step go into control mm-hmm. you, you'll have to have your control or security measures that you that you go to for security for relief yeah because you're feeling nervous um you know fearful mm-hmm. and scared about things so a lot of people who end up being quite aggro and controlling in relationships actually are super super sensitive yeah and deep down inside have undiagnosed super, you know, lots of anxiety yeah. that they've tried to control, maybe in a pedantic or an OCD kind of way. Mm. They're not only controlling themselves, but everyone else around them mm. so that they don't have to feel fearful mm. of what's going on. So you end up seeing relationships a lot where, say, somebody's being um, abused 
by somebody who's being controlling mm. that actually the real issue at hand is anxiousness yeah about not being met and not being connected to on a very early age yeah so one goes into trying to control it and make the other one do what they want and the other one says oh i don't want to rock the boat because i don't want to be on the receiving end of that so no one's really stepping up to the responsibility of being the change that they know needs to happen in a relationship because mm. no one abuses and doesn't know that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, that's that's a total lie. They do know, spoken to enough abusers to know that. They just don't know how to get out of it. Mm. But I think one of a, a word that you just mentioned, security, yeah, is what sort of uh, dictates that outplay, that dynamic a lot. Yeah. Is because, and it's not to be sort of. Um, considered lightly that everybody has a sense of needing their basic needs met Mm -hmm. you know housing food clothing Mm -hmm. all of that sort of thing so a lot of people will and do stay in relationships because of of those needs of security and and there is a huge amount of fear around that financial security yeah yeah having having a roof having clothes having food being warm Mm -hmm. and you know that that there's just yeah there's that's a, that's a minefield that's so true and we do don't we you know you think about financial security you stay with someone because actually separating those assets if you're going to get any of them if it's going to be fair if either of you are going to be able to live yeah and so you'll stay far longer chances are than maybe you would have done if the relationship wasn't going to be able to come to some some new sense of of relationship together yeah. that it needs to be a relationship living apart mm. the other thing i um, could really feel when you were sharing just then was that ability for us to <clears throat> to trust ourselves mm. and the importance of stepping up to the responsibility of communicating that if we're always waiting for the environment to be safe to talk or safe to express, we're going to permanently be silent. That we actually, it, that when we, when we hold back, we're abdicating a responsibility in a way. <clears throat> Excuse me, as I try and express and get it out <laughs> and I have a lump in my throat. <laughs> I wonder if I haven't said this before to myself. Uh, you know, that the, there is, we do have to um, own that, that ultimately we abdicate our responsibility quite a lot in life when we wait for life in, and, and life to be as we want it to be. Mm. Look, we are huge advocates in our counselling of this because we've guinea-pigged guinea ourselves with this. We've tried and tested everything that has felt difficult to, to, to communicate. We have... We have pushed ourselves through to do it to see what's on the other side and the benefit of that in terms of growth and evolution and quality of relationship that is possible the the confrontation or the challenge that that moment presents is it is so worth going to the other side of that because otherwise you are forever in the stagnation of keeping yourself at a certain level and your relationships at a certain level that well, it, it becomes, it's quite a sad way to live mm. because you don't, there is this sense of there always being more, but you're not bringing yourself to that more. We, as you say, we can't wait for life or someone else to bring that to us. We have to bring it. And yeah, as I say, we have tried and tested this on, on everything that has presented itself as a challenge to us in our relationship or our own relationship with ourselves. And we've we've worked through that with one another, and it is it is so worth it getting to the other side. There you go, listeners. There's a testimonial. It's worth mm. it. It's worth it. Do it for yourself, for your physical and your mental health, but also do it for your relationships. And can I say, you know, it's important that we do this from a um, community, a political, a world point of view we have to speak up or we cannot complain about the leaders we have the quality that they bring to to the standard they set for their own behavior or the behavior that we allow in other areas of our life we do have to engage to speak up can i say one go for it just to add to what annette said um 
that we road tested in our relationship but I know that really works and I see this time and again in groups of people when they communicate often somebody might be fearful about saying something but it's amazing what can come out of those kind of conversations the learning that can be there for others and I found that in my relationship with Annette that I might be scared to say something, but there'll be some truth in what I'm there to say. Maybe I'm lacking confidence in it or I'm scared of a reaction. or, But it has often opened up an amazing discussion which s- sets forward and uh, will sets, sets a new foundation for both of us or is very... Um, inspiring or we come to understand something that we never would have got to before if we hadn't if I hadn't said it or Annette hadn't overcome the fear to say what was there and those moments are super developmental so I highly encourage the listeners that next time they're in relationship and they are fearful of saying something but it's super important maybe it's about the relationship or it's about themselves instead of doubting just to actually work through that because it's incredible what's on the other side i love it and you know what the next song is so perfect for that it's called ode to purple in brackets busting out (laughs) (laughs) here we are in the room in the station on the air with Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. I've been talking with Gabrielle Caplice and Annette Baker, two women who rock the socks off the eastern suburbs with their relationship counselling. Um, we're talking about fear and how it permeates our life and our society and actually we're going to bust out of that. Mm. But I think we've really laid the foundation this morning for that not governing on our lives and and giving ourselves permission to you know go back and have some practice and really go there and see what it might be like but also how we can bring that to another without expecting them to change but learning how to listen and not just jump down someone's throat if they get something wrong Mm. but understand although it might be inexcusable there is a reason and actually taking time to look and see what that reason is Gabrielle, any final thoughts for for today's show? Um, well, pertaining to relationships again, that when you are in a family or when you're with work colleagues or with a partner, that everyone has different fears about different things. And if you're in relationship with people, it's it's great to understand or be compassionate about that person and their particular things that they're sensitive to the things that frighten them or or scare them and you know I know in our relationship we build a language of understanding that like I understand the things that scare Annette on a very basic level what scares she understands what scares me like I, I've got a fear of heights so in shopping centres, you know, she pays attention to me and, you know, ha- how she has me on a, her side so that I don't have to deal with looking down the escalator and, you yeah. know, the, the height. It's being sensitive to each other. I mean, that's a very simple and basic one. But being aware of that and caring enough to help support and nurture other people with that and also to do that with yourself. If you're scared of something or if you're fearful about something, it's great to express it, as we've been talking about, bust it out, and learn how to support yourself but in a very caring and nurturing way whilst you have that fear. And you will work through it and it may not be a fear later on in your life. Annette? Um... (coughs) (laughs) Well, <laughs> I, I feel like fear, fears by their very nature are designed for us to not be who we are. So most of our fears come from some kind of instruction that we've picked up from society, let's say. Mm. And then that's, that's how they're born and bred, we could say. But then we take them on as our own, understandably so. 
I'm, I'm just to share with the listeners a little bit of the atmosphere here, the ambience and the supportive nature of the studio. There's this sign on the wall that I love every time we come in that says, be who you are on the radio. Mm. And when I read it, I say, I go, yeah, be who you are on the radio, but be who you are everywhere. Yeah. And it's something Gabe and I were discussing last night um, about not allowing ourselves to be put in a box, any box. And that's what fears do. They put us in a box. They do. And I'm not suggesting we go out and be anarchists or anything like that. But the fact is we all have an essence. Non-conformers. <laughs> the fact is we all have an essence. And that essence is very um, across the board. It's, it's the same for all of us. It's about truth and love. However, we all are here to bring a very unique expression. And so if we do not be who we are, everybody else is missing out on that expression that we are purposefully here to bring. So I say, you know, look at your fears and see what box they're keeping you in and appreciate, you know, what you are here to bring that everybody needs to feel and benefit from. And I love that. It's a different, mm. different way to Beautiful, look at fears, not looking at fear from fear, but looking at fear from what is what the fears are holding us back from being. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lucy. Thank Always you, Lucy, a joy for to be with you. It's gorgeous to talk with you both. And to consider it when we first started, who knows, many years ago, there was like, oh, fear of being on radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we can't wait. Fear of talking through the mic. <laughs> That's right. Bust that out. Yeah. It's so important that when, you know, we have the rising anxiety levels that we do from such a young age, we really must look to build a relationship with ourselves first and foremost and uh, as adults. And then we can reflect that confidence of being yourself in the world that Annette so beautifully captured there back to the children around us in our lives. Otherwise, we tell them it's not safe to be you in the world and it's not safe to to be, you know, it, the only way to be safe is to be who the other person wants you to be so that you're accepted. I just think that what we've really captured there is so much the importance of of being ourselves and embracing mm. that in life and the harms, I guess, that come in relationship for ourselves and with others. Mm. And if I just may say that to to confirm you, Lucy, that your show, you and your show beautifully supports that in everything that you present on the show to the listeners is about for all of us to be who we are. Yeah, and flawed. <laughs> I'm, you know, perfectly Full imperfect. Full in our imperfections. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a constant learner in this room of, of the relationships, how to, how to build, how to support the space so another can express in their fullness without fear, mm. without worrying about who's listening, but just to express what comes from their body and, and that's where it must never be about the qualifications you have or the right you have to talk on a subject. If you have an opinion on a subject and it harms no other, then you must be able to express it. Mm. And we have a responsibility not to attack that expression, mm. but to let each other learn and express and live in our own way. Yeah. Um, I look forward to catching up with you all next week. Tune in live um, if you would like to, or you can listen to the podcast later. Um, don't forget, you can listen to those now on, uh, pod on iTunes podcasts, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher and on TuneIn. Now, really, it's always pertinent to remind ourselves at the end of a show like this that whatever has or is happening in your life or our lives, we are and always will be ourselves, constantly learning, but underneath, in our essence, we're amazing. And the key is to reconnect with that space and then learn to build the relationship with our body that holds that essence so we can recognize when our body's trying to tell us something's not quite right. Because it always does tell us. And at least then we can seek support with the appropriate service and that may be mental or physical health. By listening and responding, we can build tools to address what we do not yet feel equipped to manage. Because as has been illustrated all the way through here, we do most likely have the skills, we just don't have the confidence to apply them. Look for support in our community. It is there. Um, so time to open up to that support and learn to trust again. And that way we don't wait for life to come to us, but we take ourselves to life and we be the change we want to see. I have less plenty of time for us to play our last song in full till next week's show. 
Be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. This song, Funky Fabulous by Rachel Kane and Benjamin Hurt. Bye from all of us. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you.